0: Welcome to Florida In-Depth with the Tampa Bay Times, produced by the Department of Journalism and Digital Communication at the University of South Florida. Here is your host, Professor Elliot Weiser.
1: Hello everyone. In this episode, we will wrap up our look at hot weather and how it is impacting our environment here in Florida. In this episode, we are literally going to go below the surface and look at what is happening to Florida's marine ecosystem. Joining us is Tampa Bay Times environmental reporter Max Chesnes. Hi Max, how you doing? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. It's great it. having you here. So in what ways has this awful heat affected the ecosystems in in the Florida waters?
0: Yeah, it's a a good question and the main story that I've been following now for Better part of two months is uh, is coral reefs offshore of um, the Florida Keys, and we're looking right now at um, what are what are called degree heating weeks. There's 20 so far. There's been 20 degree heating weeks, which means corals are in hot weather that is um, unsustainable for their life. Um, and what happens is when corals are in hot water for a long duration of time, they uh, begin spitting out the algae that is in their um, tissue. And when that happens, corals bleach. So you'll see these really stark images of these. What should be really colorful coral reefs are now stark white, and that's what that is—is is a distress signal. Uh, it means that they are uncomfortable, and that if heat continues for a long period of time, that reefs will begin to die. And so, uh, for 20 weeks now, our corals off the, the coast of Florida have been in hot water. Is that a record? That is a record, yeah. The, the longest period the last summer that we saw that went above um, double digits was only 10 weeks. So we're about twice now. As
1: it doubled in one year. Right. Uh, in one year, yeah. That's incredible. So you have a lot of experience writing about different environmental stories and different bodies of water. Uh, what changes have you seen in the environment? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I began... Um, Covering the environment on the east coast of florida the indian river lagoon, which as you know um, Was the epicenter of the florida manatee die-off So I started doing work over there for a local outfit um, owned by the usa today network And uh, when I got the job over here I started covering tampa bay and there's a lot of through lines between both waterways Um, for one Seagrass loss is really dominating basically every waterway in the state of florida right now Um, In tampa bay over the last two years. We've lost 12% of our seagrass Um, and in some areas of tampa bay that's a historic number that that is uh, there's a historic low amount of seagrass right now in the bay in certain areas um and so that's a common theme you see throughout um the state's waterways whether it's in the indian river lagoon on the east coast whether it's in biscayne bay um obviously over here in tampa so uh the causes of that seagrass lo- loss though are are different depending on where you look right so some of it is um agricultural fertilizer runoff some of it is septic tanks some of it is um you know, algal blooms that flare up. So it really depends on each waterway, but the overarching theme is that humans are playing a role in this in this decline that we're seeing right now.
1: So the folks out there listening to this, go, why should I care about seagrass? Uh,
0: yeah, I think, uh, so seagrass really is the foundation of life in these estuaries. Um, not only are they carbon sinks, which means they store carbon, which would otherwise heat our atmosphere, but um, they also sustain ecosystems in marine life, whether it's fish and vertebrates, um, things that are marine ecosystems need to thrive. Um, And they are kind of the bedrock of a healthy ecosystem. So when you see seagrass decline, it's almost like a bellwether for ecological decline, um, sort of the canary in a coal mine. Um, And so these declines, for a while, Tampa Bay was a a conservation success story, because for years um, a lot of scientists came together and did a lot of work to restore the bay. And uh, in recent years, we're seeing those successes start to slip away a little bit. So what can the state of Florida
1: and and the corporations uh, as well. What can they do to prevent these pollutants from entering the waters? You know, you've done a lot of stories, oil spills, sewage leakage, other contaminants in the water. Uh, so what what can they do?
0: I think uh, from the state's perspective, I think enforcement is a huge um Solution that needs to be taken seriously Um, Oftentimes you'll see the state government Shy away from enforcement mechanisms They want to rule sort of with a um, a Collaboration approach in terms of Of how we educate uh, Businesses for instance on how to not pollute Uh, But really the approach that needs to be Taken is more of a, a regulatory approach So if a corporation Um, fails to listen to certain advice from the state of Florida, and um, they are polluting. And there's data that shows these corporations, whether they're agricultural or or industry um, corporations, are polluting our waterways, there should be some sort of standard or some sort of regulatory mechanism that keeps them in check. Um, And from the state of Florida, there are some uh, programs that exist currently, but there is a lot of work that needs to be done still.
1: So is is Florida? So it sounds like Florida is not doing enough to try to fix this situation.
0: Yeah, and again, it, it depends where you look to. So there are certain waterways, like Tampa Bay, for instance. There is a lot of um, governmental organizations and and, um, and regional scientific organizations that are doing a lot of really good work to. Uh, not only pinpoint polluters and um, figure out kind of the pollution map of the bay, but also holding polluters accountable. But from a statewide approach, I think um, you know, some of the state governments that are, that are in place, like the Department of Environmental Protection, there are mechanisms in place, but some of them might not be as, um, as beneficial as they should be.
1: Well, let's take a break right now, and we'll be right back after these important messages. Never miss the news that matters. The Tampa Bay Times has the Bay Area's largest newsroom and is your source for reliable reporting. With 14 Pulitzer Prizes recognizing its commitment to the community through high-quality journalism, the Times provides the news you need from the source you can trust. Find local stories, investigative reports, things to do, updates on Florida politics, and more. In print on Wednesdays and Sundays and 24-7 at tampa TampaBay.com.
0: Pursue the truth.
1: If you work in the media, communications, or marketing industry, this message is for you. Take your career to the next level by getting your master's degree from one of the top journalism programs in the Southeast. The Journalism Department at the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg is offering a master's degree in digital journalism and design. And the best thing about it, you can do the entire program from home. This online curriculum can be completed in as little as one year. The program is professionally accredited and provides students with an informative and practical education taught by well-respected professionals and academics. The cost is reasonable. The experience is invaluable. For more information, please call 727-873-4881. That's 727-873-4881 or go to www.usf edu slash journalism and now back
0: to florida in depth with the tampa bay times
1: welcome back to florida in depth with tampa bay times mac chesnez is our guest he's the environmental reporter tampa bay times so max uh you did mention coral reefs uh, so what can the state of florida and let's throw the corporations in there as well what can they do to uh, mitigate the impacts of you call heat stress on coral reefs. What can
0: they do? Yeah, yeah. so so heat stress particularly um, is a is a broad problem, right? It's a problem that we're seeing get worse over time, and and one of the reasons, and there are several reasons, but one of the main driving forces is human caused climate change, right? So greenhouse gas emissions are a major um, driver in increasing ocean temperatures over the past. Two, two, uh, 20 years or so, two decades, we've seen uh, Atlantic temperatures increase by about one degree Celsius. So that's a huge number for, for corals that are really sensitive animals. Um, and so if you're talking about corporations specifically in the state of Florida, obviously reining in their their carbon emissions and um, investing in renewable energies is, a, is a, a huge solution to curbing global climate change and also those impacts locally. Uh, but also there are a number of stressors that are affecting corals right now, um, that humans that on the individual level can, can, um, can change. One of those is improving water quality, which we already spoke about. Um, and there is some individual responsibility for improving water quality, whether you're not littering or just being a good steward of the environment. Um, and then just being, um, aware of the issues at place. Uh, and so, uh, you know, whether that's voting for people that are, um, you know, clean water advocates or, um, educating others around you about environmental stewardship, I think, are all solutions that, from the individual level, you can do.
1: There's been a lot of attention about the depth of the coral reefs in Australia and how how uh, terrible that is, but the the keys is another important area talk about the the coral reefs in, in the keys
0: yeah i'm a huge economic driver for the state of florida i think it's over a billion dollars a year in terms of tourism dollars for people diving the reefs and i grew up personally I'm, I'm a lifelong floridian i grew up diving these reefs my entire life um and particular reefs whether it's lou key reef or sombrero reef in the keys i've i've dove those reefs my entire life and to see the decline in even 10 decades let alone 20-plus decades is... um, Is it pretty dramatic? It is dramatic, it is. Yeah, I mean, you'll see... There used to be... If you were to look at an old picture of a coral reef, it's... Uh, you know rainbow explosion of different colors and now it's uh, maybe one or two colors whether it's brown or white a lot of these corals right now are paled or dying Um, there's a lot of macroalgae which is it basically covers the entire reef it's a sign of of poor health Um, and that's the scene you see a lot of across most of the keys right now and that the the heat is not helping whatsoever yeah
1: so for a lot of the folks sitting up here in Tampa Bay why should we care about dying coral reefs
0: yeah, I mean, the dying coral reefs are just the beginning, right? If we were to not rein in um, greenhouse gas emissions or to curb uh, our emissions, I think um, corals, like I said earlier, are, are canary in the coal mine. And the way they go is the way the rest of the ecosystem goes. Um, they harbor, I think, you know... Coral reefs only make up about 1% of the ocean, uh, but harbor more than a quarter of the entire ocean's sea life. So if we lose that, we're losing already 25% of the entire marine ecosystem, which has huge effects for not only Tampa Bay, but the entire state of Florida, the entire United States, because these fish are swimming in and out of these reefs, creating homes, building families. And then when that ecosystem is taken away from them we see cascading effects so this may sound like a stupid question so i I apologize (laughs) interventions in our business (laughs) that's right
1: could you just remove the bleach and dying coral reef and then
0: it regenerates yeah and it's 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 not as a stupid question as you might think because um scientists recently have been doing just that um there are Corals that are being removed from these superheated waters throughout this entire summer. So back in um, in early June, I covered a um, a evacuation event where a lot of scientists from the state government, but also Florida Aquarium and all sorts of aquariums across the state, um, took their corals that they've planted on offshore reefs and removed them. Everybody came in. There was, I think, in one week, maybe fifteen hundred different coral species, or not species, but um, coral organisms that were taken out um, and brought to land-based labs. And so I was in the Keys one week when that evacuation was underway. They take these corals from hot ocean water and put them in temperature-regulated tanks um, to make sure that they, are, they can maintain a healthy temperature and regenerate their health. Um, so that, that's a, that was a sort of an unprecedented event, right? It was, you saw this, this large-scale evacuation event that people rounded up all of these corals, brought them to a place where they knew that they'd be safe, and some of them are still there. They're waiting until the temperature this fall turns a little cooler We luckily got some uh, reprieve from Hurricane Adalia. The southern gulf where the the Keys is cooled down a little bit in recent days. Uh, But we're already starting to see temperatures tick back up again. Um, And we're still in September. So typically through the end of this month, we'll see... Heat subs- or sustain itself, and then usually by the end of September, things start to cool down. So we're looking at at least two to three more weeks of, of hot waters. So it seems like it was
1: a very hot summer, and it's getting hot earlier. So, th- how's that impacting?
0: The corals, yeah. So what I what I you know led off with at the very start of this these these things called degree heating weeks, right? The longer corals are staying in hot water for longer durations of time, the worse off they'll be. Um, and we are seeing, you're correct, uh, things are heating up not only earlier but they're staying hotter longer, and that is a problem for these really uh, delicate animals because corals are an animal species. They are animals. They're very complicated animals. They the way they give birth and the way they reproduce is really complicated, and scientists are still learning all of these really complex patterns about these animals, but the heat has not helped them at all.
1: Yeah. This this sounds like a journalism professor question, but but I have to ask it, because as an environmental reporter... Is it difficult to balance being an objective reporter versus being an advocate for things that are good for the environment? Talk about that dichotomy.
0: Yeah, it, and uh, it's a good question. I think um, I think we all can agree. I think globally that ecological decline is a bad thing, right? I think we can all agree that the the objective truth is that we shouldn't. We should be protecting these environments, right? Because they are. We are a part of these environments, right? We are animals as well, and we are. We have a place in this world, just like these animals and and plants do. And so I think, um, you know, advocating for a particular organization is something you should shy shy away from as a journalist, but I think advocating for the health of our planet is something that is, uh, you know, as as an environmental reporter, my stories are shedding light on things that are being done improperly usually about our planet or highlighting ecological decline at, especially close to home like in Tampa Bay and so those are objective truths right and I think my work can stand on its own and inspire people to take action but I you know that my role is to really shine a light on what's happening and then drive action from there. So you're an environmental reporter so what's the biggest challenge you face doing that job? Yeah I, I mean uh, there's a number of them I think uh You know, generally speaking, there's been a a larger trend in state governments for um, accessibility. So you're seeing a lot of um, state governments pull away, uh, state agencies pull away from giving journalists access, whether it's to data, information, um, experts. And so... Um, hunting for that information is becoming a little bit more of a challenge, but I think that's that's part of being uh, a journalist, is you have to go find the information yourself if people won't give it to you. Um, and so that's always a challenge. I think um, you know it, p- politics is always a role, and we're obviously living in a very political world, but I think, uh, at least in Florida, there is a, a large consensus, um, bi- bipartisan consensus that you know the, these ecosystems that I write about are economic drivers, and they are important to um, the health of our state, the health of our economy and uh, Both sides of the political aisle agree on that uh, and so the the message is the same right we need to, we need to Take care of these environments, and to make sure that our ecosystems are thriving for future generations. Um, but you know, we all disagree on why that should be the case.
1: So, do you think because the Everglades usually gets a lot of a lot of the attention, it does that sometimes overshadow other issues like seagrass or or the Keys? You think?
0: Well, it yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think there's a lot of uh, political movement behind the Everglades again, bipartisan mm-hmm. political movement. Uh, because it's such a, a unique ecosystem and because it's seen such a dramatic decline over the years. Uh, but I think now as we're seeing, as the story has evolving, right, to more of a statewide decline, whether it's loss of seagrass in Tampa Bay or 1,000 dead manatees in the Indian River Lagoon in one year, these types of stories are, I think, garnering more of a statewide uh, appreciation for our environment. Um, but I think the Everglades you know, justifiably deserves that attention just as well i've covered the the everglades in the past as well i think it's um in a very important ecological gem but i think we need that attention across the entire state
1: so max we've been talking about a lot of things to be concerned about so I i have to ask you that are you hopeful about the future environmentally or are you deeply concerned
0: I ask that question to every scientist that I interview. I always ask, what gives you hope? Um, and I am hopeful. I think uh, the the people that I speak with that are really doing the dirty work, whether they are uh, scientists, whether they are people that work for the state government, whether they are biologists, students even, um, they're all doing this work for the right reasons, right? They, they, they believe in a better future for themselves and for their families and for future generations. The amount of... Um, sheer amount of research that's being done, whether it's to save these corals, whether it's to uh, rain back pollution, there's a lot of science that's coming out. And as technology improves, we science is becoming clearer and clearer. It's becoming easier to do and easier to share. Uh, and so that does give me hope. I think there is a lot of um, advancements that we have yet to see, um, and I, I think I'm excited to, to see how we come together as a state to fix these problems in the future.
1: Max, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It was a great discussion. We appreciate it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: That wraps up our look at the hot weather and how it's impacting the Florida environment. Join us next time on Florida In-Depth with the Tampa Bay Times as we tackle a new topic, making news. Thank you for listening to Florida In-Depth with the Tampa Bay Times podcast is produced by the department of journalism and digital communication at the university of south florida st petersburg executive producers are elliot weiser and carolyn fox our director is christopher campbell producers are michael van sickler jenna duncan kelsey foresta jordan kalasian and alex loge production assistant is laura hughes and a special thank you to mark katches at the tampa bay times And at USF St. Petersburg, thank you to Dr. Mark Walters and Dr. Casey Frechette. Until next time, I'm Elliot Weiser.